0: Intrigue, honor, duty, violence, poisons, World War I, upper class privilege, resputant and other real world people, a sinister organization, a cool airplane stunt, and an awesome mountain goat are some of the things that make up the origination movie, The King's Man. Hi, this is Tom Pizzotto of SpyMovieNavigator.com and today we'll be cracking the code of the spy movie, The King's Man. This episode is one of our no-spoiler quickfire reviews where we look at a new movie to give you an idea if it's worth your time. We won't go too much into the plot other than what you've seen in the R-rated trailer. And we'll have no spoilers. In keeping with our previous Quickfire episodes, this will be a much shorter episode than the Influencer episodes on the series. It's a quickfire, not an in-depth dive into the movie. So let's start at a high level. I haven't enjoyed the last few movies I've seen in the theater, but fortunately, this was a breath of fresh air. I really like this movie. This movie is the prequel to Kingsman The Secret Service, and Kingsman The Golden Circle. Both of those movies we like and have created episodes discussing the influences of and for those movies from other movies or real life. Now the Kingsman is not just the prequel. It's the origin movie for the Kingsman organization. Matthew Vaughn has said there are plans for many more Kingsman movies. The way they did this origin movie allows for anywhere from about post-World War I to today to be used in the storylines. We can think of quite a few historical events they could easily tie into, especially with what they show in the mid-credits sequence at the end. Now, if you haven't seen the first two Kingsman movies, seeing this movie first should be no problem for you. In fact, it might be beneficial, as I'll explain later. The first two Kingsman movies were high on humor, sexuality, and spy movie fun. This movie takes a different tack. Matthew Vaughn, the director of all of these movies, lets this movie tell its story. It doesn't have much of a James Bond feel like the other two movies. Even though it is the third Kingsman movie released, it stands alone fine. The first two movies aren't called out in this one, as we've said, this is the prequel to the other two. There also appeared to be less humor and fewer stunts, but in our opinion we got a better story. This movie is set around the beginning of World War I, and the title says it all. This is about the King's Man. The opening sequence takes place a few years earlier. So, there are many real world characters here, although not portrayed with 100% accuracy as you would expect. We see King George V, Kaiser Wilhelm, Tsar Nicholas II, Joseph Lennon, Archduke Ferdinand of Austria, Matahari, Rasputin, Horatio Kitchener, and Woodrow Wilson. Oh, and there is a surprise guest in the mid credits scene at the end of the movie. So, there's a lot of historical people brought into this movie. My knowledge of each of these real-world people is fairly high-level, which was probably good as I wasn't sitting there thinking, well, that's not right when a character did something. Okay, we doubt what they showed with Woodrow Wilson is accurate at all, but it did help with the plot. Now, one character we expected to see, surprisingly, wasn't in the movie. In our episode 88 Influences, Kingsman, The Golden Circle, we talked about a quote near the end of the movie that was attributed to one of the Kingsman founders, and the movie didn't say that person's name. Well, we identified who that person was in that episode, so we speculated that person might have a role in this movie. Sadly, he didn't. We think they missed a nice tie-in between these two movies. If you want to hear who we're talking about, you need to listen to that other episode. Now, some of the other historical things they show were at least superficially accurate. For instance, without giving anything away here, The movie says that King George V, Kaiser Wilhelm, and Tsar Nicholas II are cousins. I didn't know that, and after we saw the movie, we checked this out and found out it was true. Now, these three kings are played with a touch of humor, but it wasn't over the top. The the over-the-top character was Rasputin, played by Rhys Ifens. We guessed that his character is one that audience members will either love or hate, and there's not going to be much middle ground on this guy. We thought Reese's portrayal here was fantastic. However, we can't see why there might be a split in audience reaction to him. To us, he delivered. He was sexual, foul-mouthed, and commanded the screen when he was on it. And with what we know about Rasputin, it would be hard to play him too big. It's a part similar to Aldolfo in the stage musical The Drowsy Chaperone, in that the bigger he is played, the better. And Reese's portrayal is big, so I think it hits the mark very well. This movie didn't have anything as overt as Princess Tilda's reward for Eggsy and Kingsman, The Secret Service, for when he saved the world. But there are a lot of sexual innuendos, both hetero and homosexual, without coming across as woke. We also didn't feel that the sexual overtones were designed to be as in-your-face for shock value as there was in The Secret Service. Now, the rest of the cast was excellent as well. We have Ray Fiennes playing the lead character. This movie was released on his 59th birthday. Gemma Arterton, Jaiman Hunsu, Harris Dickinson, Charles Dance, Matthew Goode, Stanley Tucci, Aaron Taylor-Johnson, and Daniel Bruhl all played key roles. Now, this is a really good group of actors who have won a slew of acting awards around the world, and they performed well in this movie. Now we want to give a special shout-out to Tom Hollander. We won't say too much here other than to say, not surprisingly, he does very good work. He usually does. The only thing we will say about him is that if you're a fan of the stage musical A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder, his performance will be rewarding. I'm being really vague here, and this is kind of out on left field, but this is a no-spoilers podcast, so I'll see if you catch on to what I was alluding to there. As for the action, there's a lot of hand-to-hand fighting and some war scenes, and it gets fairly violent in some scenes, consistent with the first two Kingsman movies. We especially liked one of the fights that Rasputin is in, It's a fight, there's a little ballet to it with the way it's shot. I thought it was really well done. There are also some stunts with an airplane and a scene that had to be very much influenced by the James Bond movie For Your Eyes Only. Again, we want to keep this discussion no spoiler, so we won't go further into this, but when you see it, you'll pick up on it. Now, there is a sinister leader of a secret organization, and he's a great character. And there's a scene right out of a few of the Bond movies where you have the leader at the head of the table with the evildoers seated around the table. And like in the first few Bond movies with Blofeld, you don't see his face for much of the movie. And as an extra Bond call-out, these evildoers get rings, symbolizing their part of the organization. Hmm, let's see. Spectre anyone? There are also some mountain goats in this movie. We don't know if they were real or CGI, but it was interesting to see. My bet's on CGI, because... Vaughn had cut out some of the dog scenes in Kingsman the Secret Service. You'll remember the dogs were there, but he found them difficult to work with and eliminated some of their scenes. The cinematography was, for the most part, well done. Matthew Vaughn likes to keep his action center screen, and he does so here. We thought that a key point near the end of the movie did not use green screen well, however. There's a person by a cliff's edge, and the perspective of that person versus the background wasn't right for us. It was off somehow. The costumes were well done, representing the period. And like the previous Kingsman movies, Matthew Vaughn has made these outfits available on MrPorter.com. As for what we'll say about the plot, without giving you any spoilers, this is a movie about class and love. It's not a boy-meets-girl love story. Rather, it's about one's love of country, as well love of people. It also has an interesting portrayal of women. On one hand, you have the character of Polly, who's the strong, smart character played by Gemma Arterton. On the other hand, characters like Mata Hari are there for their sexual prowess or beauty. We see this in some of the James Bond movies as well, with strong woman roles coupled with some less strong roles. These less strong roles were, for the most part, minimized in the Daniel Craig Bond years, but Vaughn has both types in this movie. I say that about these less strong women, yet I'm going to talk about Gemma Arterton here. Gemma Arterton will likely look back at this movie more fondly than her role as Strawberry Fields in the Bond movie Quantum of Solace. She's talked about how she's gotten flack for the role of Miss Fields. And as she put it, as I got older, I realized there was so much wrong with Bond women. Strawberry should have just said no, really, and worn flat shoes. Well, Polly is no Bond girl in this movie. She's more akin to the Nomi, Paloma, or Leia Sadu characters than Strawberry Fields. Rafe's fine character is an upper-class man, the Duke of Oxford, who feels that as such he must do good. He works with the Red Cross at the beginning of the movie to help people. It's his sense of duty. Oxford has a line to his son that we really liked. Our enemies think we are gentlemen, but reputation is what people think of you. Character is what you are. This is a great line, and that sentiment is brought forward in Harry's teachings to Eggsy in Kingsman the Secret Service. Oxford also has some internal conflicts as to how far his duty can and should go. How much risk should he assume to do good? This conflict makes up a large part of his character in this movie. In the movie The Untouchables, Malone's character, played by Sean Connery, asks Elliot Ness, what are you prepared to do? This is part of the conflict that Oxford has to figure out in this movie. What is he prepared to do? Now, Oxford is friends with King George V and Horatio Kitchener. Kitchener appears to be portrayed fairly accurately through this movie, especially in a key scene on a cruiser. We found it intriguing that Fiennes played the Duke of Oxford. This was a fictional character, given that there isn't really a Duke of Oxford. Well, there is one, but it's a pub. There was, however, an Earl of Oxford, for the most part, from 1115 until about 1703. All of these Earls had the last name of De Vere. Matthew Vaughn's name is Matthew Devere Drummond, which we think is a nice tie-in here. Devere is also the cover name Harry uses when he first meets Valentine in Kingsman the Secret Service. So Matthew Vaughn likes to bring in the name Devere. Now, as an interesting twist, the 17th Earl of Oxford, Edward de Vere, was rumored to be the person who wrote the plays attributed to William Shakespeare. Now, this has been poo-pooed by most Shakespearean scholars, but the twist here is that Reese Ifence, who played Rasputin in this movie, played Edward de Vere, the Earl of Oxford, in the 2011 movie, Anonymous. So it's really cool to see all the coincidences these movies take. Jaiman Hansu plays Oxford's right-hand man, Shola. He sort of felt like the character Gobinda in the James Bond movie Octopussy, except Shola was playing and working for the good team, unlike Gobinda. It would have been nice to see a little bit more character development with the Shola character. Now, here's one other plot point that I'm going to dance around. If you saw the animated spy movie Spies in Disguise, you may remember this line Pigeons are everywhere, and nobody notices them. It's the most perfect form a spy can take. Well, in The Kingsman, there's a similar yet different take on this. Now, some James Bond call-outs that we haven't mentioned are knives coming out of the toes of shoes, which are also used in the other two Kingsman movies, and Fabergé eggs. We're sure there are more of these call-outs, and another viewing would help us spot them. Now, as this is a prequel, there are a few things that come up here that influence the other two Kingsman movies. For one, we hear about Oxford versus Rogues. The Duke of Oxford carries an umbrella with a weapon in it. Manners maketh man is here. King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table have some influence here. And the line adapted from Trading Places, looking good, feeling good, is in all three of these Kingsman movies. We mentioned earlier that we talked about how not seeing the first two movies might be an advantage for the audience. I spent a lot of time while watching the Kingsman trying to put pieces together, stitching what I was watching with the other two movies. But I forgot, this is the origin of the organization, so there are not a lot of tie-ins you're not going to look at this and say, oh, that person must be just like so-and-so in the next movie. If you haven't seen the other movies, you're not going to fall into that trap. And I think it's a trap of the mind, not one that Vaughn put into the movie. I think it's because I had recently watched the first two movies. And so you try to put all these pieces together. Now, finally, and this is the third time we've mentioned it, there is a mid-credits scene that may be setting up a future Kingsman movie. So stick around when the credits start and watch this scene. Once the credits start back up after this, there are no more scenes. We thought this was a fun scene, but once it started, it quickly became obvious what the twist was going to be. It's there, but we guess you're going to figure it out before the big twist. So we very much liked The Kingsman. Is it going to replace Casablanca or Citizen Kane on anyone's top movie list? Probably not. But it is a well-done, fun, R-rated movie, that does a good job explaining the origin of the Kingsman organization and sets the stage for future movies. That said, we've been surprised by some of the not-so-flattering reviews we've read about this movie. We think those reviewers may have been caught in the trap of looking at this movie against those first two. This isn't a James Bond spoofy high-action movie, kind of like the first two. It's a very different movie that lets us see the origins of the Kingsman. Plus, it's set around 1900. You know, give or take a few years here. The first Kingsman movie was Kingsman the Secret Service. Well that was released only seven years ago, which is pretty current in time. So there is gonna be a difference here, and we think that this movie sets the table for the series very well. We understand how the organization got formed. So that's a wrap. This has been Tom Pizzotto of SpymovieNavigator.com and our show Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. Remember, please subscribe to our show right now. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it.